This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Seven five twelve eighty. The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Three o'clock hour. Thanks to PK for last last hour. But joining me now, my boss on Saturdays, essentially, <laughs> Jeff Miller of Mark Miller Subaru is kind enough to sit in with me from now until five. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? You picked our band of the day, Queen. Yeah. Why? I don't know, something like for some We Are the Champions, maybe we will rock you. Are you feeling like this might be Yeah, right? The year? I mean, that's kind of what I'm feeling. I've been a jazz fan since I was, I don't know, four years old. Oh, I thought going you... Going to games at the Salt Palace. I thought you were going for the Bees, that they might finally win that Pacific Coast. <laughs> I'm think. actually going to the Bees game on Friday with the kids. So, well, that's fantastic. I'm so excited I love to have baseball, baseball back. Games. I'm so excited. And the Bees, uh, Joe Adele, the top prospect for the Angels, just announced yesterday he's headed to Salt Lake to start the season. So there's some good uh, good ball to see out at Smith's Ballpark. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Jazz. We're going to talk about the BYU Cougars, the Utes. LeBron is doing LeBron-type things. LeBron is LeBroning. We'll talk about that. We'll talk NFL draft. But we're going to get out to the zone phone and get our, uh, our legendary insider on with us now. You know, we welcome him in. Longtime NBA uh, assistant coach right here in Utah as well for the Jazz. And the, uh, the pride of... Oh God, I don't. Oh, okay. We'll call. We'll call Gordy Chase up here in just a moment. We'll get him on. Brian will get that connected. While we dial out to uh, Gordy, uh, Jeff, you're back fresh off of a pretty cool trip. Yeah, an epic, epic golf trip. I was spent last weekend in Bandon Dunes playing six rounds of golf in three days with my dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law. It was a present for my dad for his 70th birthday, and it was. Uh, as advertised, difficulty and amazingness. <laughs> God, all I got my dad for his birthday was a gift card. <laughs> <laughs> Five golf courses in the top 20 in the country and 10-mile-an-hour oh. winds, 15-mile-an-hour winds in every direction. And and it I, I it was you. hard. It was hard, hard golf and all walking, so 40 miles in three days. Oh, my gosh. And you're on a bum knee. Yeah, and I tore my MCL three weeks ago. But, so hey, you I, weren't going to give up I wasn't giving up that trip. It's an, it was a year to plan. How long do you have to book that? A year out. So they are booked for the next year. If you year. want to book a foursome like we did, a year out to book it. Good grief. Uh, and I asked you in the break, was it even fun? Because it sounds like really hard golf. It was really fun. It was hard golf, but yeah. it was really fun. Good. At least. Really fun. Are you the type of golfer that if you have a bad round, you wish you hadn't gone? Or are you the type of golfer that's like, hey, I'm golfing. What does it matter? I think almost all those rounds, I was pretty happy. The last round, the sixth round where my knee was just killing me, like that one... <laughs> I probably could have done without, but the course was so amazing <laughs> that I still enjoyed it. Still enjoyed being out there. 
Well, it's one of those uh, bucket list places for golfers. Absolutely. It's I mean, definitely up there. It is a bucket list for sure. I would recommend it to anybody who's a true golfer and loves the game of golf because it is fun. It is very hard, though, and I would not recommend the black tee boxes. You were hitting from the blacks? I played the blacks in all five rounds. Why? What, what are you doing to yourself? The last two rounds was a bad idea because my knee started hurting. <laughs> but I, mean, I shot an 80 on Saturday on Pacific, on Pacific Dunes. Wow. Yeah, that's I played really great. Cool. Three birdies. I played really well at that course. I think I shot an 80 over the last nine holes I played down at the Muni. So <laughs> it was close. Maybe it was 90. What but. you don't get, though, there is it's the wind. It's, yeah. I mean, you're, there were some holes you're playing a three-club three, three wind. Mm. I mean, you're hitting three clubs up <laughs> to try and get it to the to green. And coming up short. Unbelievable. Well, we'll get more on that. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there really jealous of you right now. we got oh. some great golf around here, and a lot of people golf. Great golf so around here. People are probably really mad at you that you <laughs> are back from Bandon and now hosting the radio show. Today. Absolutely. Cool. But let's get out to the zone phone. The legend, Gordy Chiesa, is with us once again. He's with us every Monday to talk jazz and NBA. Coach, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. We're excited to have you on. Let's dive right in with the Utah Jazz I thought they had every built-in excuse or reason or whatever moniker you want to put on it to to fold up shop on Saturday against Toronto, and they just didn't. They fought through all that, and they got some good play from Boyan Bogdanovich, and they got that hard-earned win. What were your takeaways from that uh, 106-102 victory? Well, one, it was very gritty. And the Jazz really fought hard in the fourth quarter where they held the Raptors to only 13 points. So for the knockout punch defensively, they delivered. So the Jets outscored them 21 to 13 to win. To, uh, it was a plus eight to win by a, a four points. But in that game was uh, Boyan Blandanovic. He really rescued the Jets to start the game. How he got himself going. He scores. He scores with 17 points in the first quarter, and then the rest of the game got into the flow of it. So without him, the, the initial thrust by him, that the, the Raptors who played well the whole game, it gave him some sort of. Um, uh, intensity to fight back and again, and they did. I thought the Jazz bench really played well. Remember now, Michael Conley's not playing, and neither is Donovan Mitchell. So now Joe starts, and he's in the starting lineup, and so is George Niang. So now the bench is now a different look. But the Jazz bench in that game, Austin and Jeff, they outscored the Raptors 32 to 13. So the Jazz bench is superior. They came through, and that was a huge factor in the game. And the last point about the game with the Jazz winning, was uh, young Trent Forrest. Undrafted out of Florida State last year, was invited to the draft party to get my drift, and suddenly, when it times in the end of the season right now, he's getting some good minutes, and it was seven points and three assists, and that momentum corner three, that was a knockout punch. He's done a nice job for them. How, um, how important do you think these bench minutes and these bench guys playing is going to be come playoff time for the Jazz? Well, usually speaking, Jeff, they, they shorten the bench in playoffs. But with that said, one injury changes everything, yeah. God forbid. And so suddenly you're the 10th man. Now in a playoff game, you're the 8th man. And now you, and suddenly in the game group, and, and schematically, they're playing off you to dare you to shoot. I call it taking a doubt jumper. So the question is going to be right now, can Ursan Olasoba, who's a good player, who's shooting 47% from threes, especially the last week or so, when they back off him in a playoff game, can he hit that jump shot? Or Trent Forrest, when they back off him in the game, can he hit that jump shot instead of double-teaming Donovan? 
These are all things that the mental part of it, or if Rudy gets an early foul trouble, God forbid, can Derek Favors hold the Jazz in there and dominate the paint, and then with that jump hook follow through, we'll say, uh, just for the narrative, getting back-to-back jump hook baskets to put the Jazz up by five in a playoff game. So the bench is absolutely cru- uh, crucial. They might not start, but they impact the game trem- tremendously. What do you think of uh, Bogdanovich of late, where he's he had a rough season up to about a month ago, and then he had one bad game uh, where he shot one of 11 and one of seven at Minnesota. But since then, he's 16 of 29 overall, 9 of 22 from three, a 58% effective field goal percentage, and averaging 23 points tonight since Donovan went out. Is this simply what he talked about after the game Saturday, that he just needs more touches to get going like this? Yeah, very much. And also, we add to that, Every once in a while, it is really smart coaching by Quinn Snyder. They get him in the mid-block, old-school mid-block, where he's so strong. And let's not forget, he's an 87.7% foul shooter. So when he gets bumped in a penalty, it's, it's almost automatic two points. And he's driving the closeout. So as you become a much better marksman in season, the defense now is rotating and getting to your shooting hand, which now gives you a catch-and-go drive. And that's what he's done. Instead, early in the year, he was staying on his uh, challenge three and misfiring. Now he's making open shots, but when they come out of shooting hand, he catch-and-goes drives and the strikes, ball strikes in the lane. And he's, he's really playing well for them, and the Jazz need him. Let's not forget, last year... During the playoffs, he didn't play. So when the Jazz got knocked out, unfortunately, four games to three, up 3-1, he was not there. This year, it's totally different. Totally. And the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz this season are having a historical three-point shooting year, one of the the best shooting year in history. Do you worry about the Jazz having bad shooting nights in the playoffs, or do you think the great defense they play can overcome them? I'm concerned. And the reason why is this, that, Jeff, usually speaking now, I'm going to paint the canvas with one broad stroke. In most playoff games, the defense is fierce. It's those ugly 92-91 games Mm -hmm. versus 127-125 love fest, you know, during a regular season. So the defense is absolutely gritty and most times on point. And in the fourth quarter, with a two-possession game, most of the points are scored in the fourth quarter are below the foul line extended, meaning what? Middle game and dribble drives to the basket or old-school post-ups or uh, getting to the foul line. And so the three-point shot is absolutely critical, but in the fourth quarter it's taken away most of the time by the better defensive teams. So what you want to try to do is mix it up, take rhythm three, swing, swing, swing passes for a three, but just don't, don't shoot yourself out of a playoff game by trying to keep forcing three-point shots. It's that unbelievable mental balance where you adjust in the game because of where the defense is playing you. Do you think, unlike last year where we didn't have him, that's where Bogdanovich is going to be key come playoff time? Is those late fourth-quarter possessions where he can go that mid-range game? Absolutely. And so is Michael Conley, too. Michael has that float game. Mm-hmm. Where see, Donovan played great last year, but he was the lone soldier as far as being out there. He, it took so much energy out of him just to get the Jazz to the final two possessions. And now he's trusted sidekicks with that middle game. So there's nothing regular about the NBA playoffs. And the play on words is meaning what? Regular versus postseason. Is that the, it's a totally different game. They always say it's based on matchup. Yes, it is. But it's also, it's also based on that you've got to be able to score the ball in the mid-range game. 
Coach, uh, I'm wondering whose injury impacts his team's uh, chance of winning it all more, Donovan Mitchell or LeBron James? LeBron James. Because as great as the Lakers are, the world champion, LeBron absolutely drives the ship. Now, Donovan's absolutely a great player, but let's not forget, you can make a narrative, Austin, that the Jets have the best team in basketball 1 through 10. I didn't say 1 through 4, 1 through 10. Okay. You can make that narrative. And so it would be devastating if Donovan got hurt, God forbid. But from the Lakers' point of view, LeBron is the guy. In other words, LeBron, when he plays the top of his game, he's almost impossible to guard in a playoff game. Meaning what? It's a locomotive coming at you in transition, and he's such a great team player that he gets everybody involved. So suddenly Caruso's making rainbow threes, and so is Okoro Pope making shots, and so is Anthony Davis getting the ball in rhythm. So in the Lakers' point of view, they need him. The last point about the Lakers is that they're struggling, but it's, for them it's perfectly normal. And let's not forget, last year in the last seven games of the season, the Lakers are 2-5. and five. It was the exact same narrative. The, the big difference, though, right now is that of the injuries to LeBron, they, there's no rhythm. Anthony Davis has absolutely struggled the whole year, and now with, um, and, and, and now with the, the COVID-19 as far as a situation um, with um, Dennis Schroeder, he's not going to play for the next 10 days or so. So they're set back as far as chemistry on the floor. So are you would it be safe to say you believe the Jazz as a team are a better team than the Lakers without LeBron? That is correct. Okay. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah, the answer is yes. Yes. And, again, Anthony Davis is a the, – the Lakers are the two top five players in the NBA with Anthony Davis and LeBron. But the Jazz and even the Suns, to their credit, the Suns have, a, again, a deep bench – and a playoff basketball, even though you shorten the bench, those guys will be in the and the injuries change everything. Or double, you know, most games are so intense, and a lot of times it's overtime games. So suddenly you're the ninth man, and you're in the overtime. You get the back-to-back shots. Look at the basket when the defense doesn't ro- rotate to you. You've got to make that shot. And a lot of, that was Crusoe last year. So Austin and Jeff, uh, that was a, a Caruso of the Lakers. He made all those open jump shots in Cobo Pope, and that was the difference in the, uh, in the uh, Lakers' victory. So with uh, the lingering injuries and Schroeder being out for the next 10 days, would you want to face the Lakers in the first round? <laughs> no, I would not. No, the answer is no. I, I prefer not to. Again, when you're a coach, uh, you respect everybody. So I'm asking this question, even, all, all, even now, like today, who do you want to play in the first round if I was, if I was with the Jazz per se? And the answer is, let's just play. And that's the truth because <laughs> you just have to play. Because when you overthink yourself or overanalyze, that's when you don't play your game. Most, most playoff games are absolutely fierce and gritty. Most of them are. And that you do, it's a man's league. And you show me a young team, and I'll show you what, a non-playoff team. So that's the, think about the Phoenix Suns, Jeff. Totally. They didn't make the playoffs for 10 straight years. 10 years. They get this guy, his name, what's his name again? Chris Paul? What, what's his name? They get him into the mix, and suddenly everything changes because he is demanding uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's a young talent, to run back on defense, to put a body on somebody in transition. He's demanding the Devin Booker, who's absolutely a spectacular shooter. Hey, come on. Come on, you got to play defense some of the time versus none of the time. And then so the, it was magical what the Suns have done. And so the Jazz and, the Jazz and Suns now are trying to get that, both trying to get that first seed, and it should be interesting uh, how it plays out. 
Do you realize that the Suns have the best record in basketball on the road? They're 21 and 9, and the Jazz have the best record in basketball at home. They're 27 and 4. So both teams have established a dominance, whether it's home or away. And the last point about the Suns, because it pertains to the Jazz, the Suns have, like the Jazz, eight games left. They have six on the road and two at home. So the question is, can the Suns, the best record on the road in basketball, continue that and win those tough road games by one or by two because of Chris Paul's brilliance and the rest of the group right now uplifting what they do as far as defensively? Yeah, absolutely. And with the Suns, with the relatively few injuries they've had to keep personnel, it's allowed them to have that rhythm. So, oh, the rhythm is absolutely important in basketball because a lot of times you have a talented team, but the pieces don't fit. And that's what makes it so interesting. You know, I can't explain chemistry, but I can explain it when you don't have it. It's that yeah. unbelievable feel. That's what makes jazz basketball so unique and wonderful. Joe Ingles, I know there's guys that are better than him. All I know is this, that whenever that guy's in the game, he always plays relatively well. But more importantly, all his trusted sidekicks always uh, outperform because Joe's on the court. Being a jumbo passer and being a willing passer and being an unbelievable three-point threat is that he gets everybody involved in it, and then he's a gritty defensive player. So that's part of the, the jazz chemistry, and the better teams have that. And that's the, the Phoenix Suns. It should be a great yep. race for the race to be number one. And remember, you want to, if you could, if things were equal, get the home court. I know there's less fans, so it's not as dominant if there was 19,000 fans at Vivint Smart Arena. But what you want to do, it takes away less travel. That extra home game, if it was game seven or if it was a five-game series, you knock out somebody four games to one, you're playing the games at home, which is critical. So when you talk about the rhythm on it, how many games would you hope the Jazz have with the full roster before the playoffs start? Three. Three? Yeah, okay. three. Yeah, three. I mean, that's realistic, three. Because, you know, and, and again, the Jazz are smart people. So with Donovan Mitchell's uh, severe sprained right ankle, the Jazz right now, with Donovan missed the last eight games with that injury versus the Pacers, the Jazz are four and four. Donovan missed two games earlier in late January against the Dallas, both home games, the Jazz won. So, so the Jazz this season, without Donovan Mitchell, the, the Jazz are six and four. So that what you want to do is make sure he's 100 percent correct uh, as far as uh, correct as far as his ankle, and bring him bring him back if things were almost equal, maybe against the uh, possibly the Trailblazers. Most times, when a guy off injury, you want to bring him back at a home game if things were equal as far as the schedule. So I'm just I'm just you know, I'm just talking out loud to Jeff and to Austin that the Jazz played. Uh, the Trailblazers next Wednesday. So it'll be Wednesday, the Trailblazers, then the Thunder, and then the Kings. Why, why do you want it to be a home game? Because it's more natural. It's just more, in other words, you, you get extra treatment. In other words, you're getting treatment on the road, but just as far as an injury, everything is more natural for you when you first came back, we'll say, in two and a half weeks or so. It's just natural being at home. Hey, Austin, you love being at home. I love being at home. It's Austin, better. Austin it's... my dog friend, you love being at home. <laughs> That's right. Right. And that, so think about as a player. And now, by the way, my ankle, it's 100%. Really? I think it is. Really? I'm, I'm, let me bust it out right now. Let me, let me do some, uh, some hammer dunks. Really? It's just, if you're going to do that, you're going to do it at home. That is me at home. I do hammer dunks all the time with the Oreo into the milk. That's, it's it's amazing, like uh, with players, how, you know, how they think. And then how the management thinks and how the coaches think. 
And it's just it's an unbelievable winning potion that with the better teams, again, the better teams, they get it. And that's the Jazz basketball right now, is that the Jazz have an elite team. Also, Jeff and Austin, we left out another team that we all respect, even though they're arch rivals, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets, Austin and Jeff, those guys could have caved in five times during the year. And Jamal Murray, who's a major player, is out until next, uh, after the All-Star break next year, February uh, 2022. Without uh, Jamal Murray, the Nuggets are 9-1. and one. Wow. Do you, Unbelievable. Do you think that there's something to the fact that with Jamal Murray out, the Denver Nuggets are playing a completely different kind of basketball and the teams haven't scouted it yet? I know the answer is no, Jeff. I think that it's more that the players know that they need they 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 collectively banded together and that they know that with, with Jamal Murray, uh, who's a really a great shooter, a timely shooter, that they know they have to do more collectively. And okay. to their credit, they have. I and, agree. And uh, really, uh, Nikola Jokic should be the MVP. And that's not, I'm not dissing Joel Embiid or Giannis or Chris Paul or Stephen Curry. I'm not dissing them at all. Or Joe Ingles, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, again, but Joe, Joe Ingles should be, should be second in the uh, voting for sixth man of the year behind Jordan Clarkson. Hey, before we let you go, I know you have a list for us every single week. What's the theme today? The list today is the San Antonio Spurs, the Jazz opponent tonight, who we all respect again. This list is the, it gets my opinion, of the, the 10 greatest San Antonio Spurs players. Wow. Let's not forget that these the Spurs have used to be an ABA team, and the last part about it is that they've been coached by the same person, Greg Popovich. This is his 25th year as far as being the coach. So this is spanning their ABA years as well? Yes, it okay. is. Okay. But, there's only, yeah, but there's only one guy that played in the ABA out of the list, only one guy. All right, number 10. And this is, again, all-around players besides just the shooters. Number 10, Bruce Bowen. Three NBA titles, five, five times uh, first-team all-defense. Number nine, he played in the ABA but also the NBA. His nickname was Captain Late because he was always reliable in late games. He was a two-time ABA All-Star, and he was a scoring guard. His name was James Snake, uh, Snake Silas. He's a terrific player. Number eight, we all know him, won championship in 1994, two-time All-Star, Sean Elliott. Number seven, his nickname was The A-Train. He's in the Hall of Fame, great uh, shot blocker, rebounder, scorer, Artis Gilmore. Number six, this guy, everybody loves the way he played. He's from Argentina. He's a fearless competitor, four four NBA championships. One time he didn't start, so he's voted the sixth man of the year. He was absolutely the soul of the Spurs, the soul. We all love him, Manu Ginobili. Number five, Played with the Spurs for seven years. That was his first team. He was a MVP of the 2014 Spurs championship. He went to Toronto. Now he plays for the L.A. Clippers. He played for the, uh, the Spurs for seven years. His first team, Kawhi Leonard. Number four, future Hall of Famer. His native country is France. He was the 28th pick of the 2001 draft. And Jeff and uh, Jeff and uh, author, a little side note: I worked this guy out twice on the court before the draft. Me personally, back in 2001, and for all the wrong reasons that he went to the Jazz didn't draft him. You he took went Raul to the, Lopez, right? That's exactly right. He went. He went to the San Antonio Spurs. Everybody loves him. He's, again, he gave it his all. Tony Parker, number three. His nickname was the Admiral, two NBA titles, 
Hall of Fame. He was the first pick in the 1987 draft. He was absolutely a winning player, uh, David Robinson. All right, number two, his nickname is called the Iceman Cometh. He had this incredible uh, mid-range game, and he had the longest ever finger roll in the history of basketball. He used to drive to the basket and take this finger roll shot from about 12 feet out, and he made all of them. He was absolutely an, uh, an innate scorer, played both in the ABA and the NBAs in the Basketball Hall of Fame, George Gerving. And number one, we all love him also, five NBA championships. He's in the Hall of Fame right now. He's a... Uh, they call Mr. Fundamentals, and he absolutely carried the uh, Spurs with the heavy lifting without saying a word for, for 19 years, Tim Duncan. Thus, that's my San Antonio Spurs Hall of Fame. And the last one is interesting is that let's get some love to the mascot. Do you realize, uh, Austin? The Coyote? That, that's right, the Coyote <laughs> Alias Tim Dirk, who I know because again, I my coach Jess for so many years and other teams. I, I used to be hang out with this guy before the game sometimes, you know, as far as talking to him because I was on the court, you know, yeah. 5:30. So I see him all the time getting ready to to perform. His name is uh, Tim Dirk. He was in, inducted into the mascot Hall of Fame. So the Spurs Hall of Fame is both players and mascots. So you got to love these guys. Absolutely. The, the ball, although that coyote's eyes, they're crazy. They're kind of uh, scary to look into, those eyes. They were Betty Davis eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Coach, we love you. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, guys. Stay well. Thank Be you. Well. Peace out. Coach Cordy Chiesa. Uh, coming up next, we'll get into some Utah football talk. There's a race up on the hill this fall. Also, if there's time, we'll talk about something that went down on Twitter, not necessarily over the weekend, but it came up over the weekend, and we'll get a jazz update next here on The Big Show. This is DJ and PK. In college at San Diego State, a guy texts in, my neighbors the U's thought about naming their son after Marshall Falk. Thought about it? Why didn't they do it? You're, you're not catching on, Dave. What's their last name? You're just oh, so yeah, you're right. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going for Marshall U. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I got it now. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> you're so freaking naive, Dave. This is why we love you. You're not exactly you. a street smart guy. <laughs> Marshall U's not that bad. No, no, no. I think it's more the last name. So you name. really like the Thunder and Herd, do you? Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight Oh, down beside that red firelight Oh, you gonna let it all hang out Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go Jeff Miller in with Austin Horton here on The Big Show. Our thanks to Gordy Chiesa last segment. Jeff, did you see the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? I did. With Rami Malek as uh, Freddie Mercury? He was awesome. What would you think of that movie? I loved that movie. One that was one of the best movies I've seen in the last 10 his, years. Oh, his portrayal of him as Freddie Mercury was absolutely incredible. There's actually some videos out there that show the side-by-side yes. of the concert at Wembley Stadium yeah. with them, and it's literally identical. It's, it, it's incredible. I said this at the time. I, I was too young. Actually, I don't know if I was even born when that concert took place. And so I missed it. But I saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> and then went back and watched the YouTube clips, and I felt like I saw it. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see Rami Malek as the villain in the next Bond. Uh-huh. He's going to be great. I think so, too. Be good. All right, uh, let's talk a little Utah Utes football. Spring has wrapped. The quarterback race, we have a few more details about this. Cam Rising still trying to get 
all the way healthy. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor. Last week, Andy Ludwig was on uh, with Hanson Scotty and was very, very, very excited about what he has seen and, and gotten from Charlie Brewer thus far. And uh, I asked PK earlier today if it's Charlie Brewer's gig to lose. That seems to be what everyone's feeling right now. Jeff, you're familiar with the program. You're a long time. Uh, you graduated Utah. You're a big supporter of Utah football. The one thing that seems to uh, evade Utah is a prolific quarterback. Do you think Charlie Brewer has the stuff to uh, patch things up there? I, I like what I'm seeing. I mean, obviously he had a great spring game, 15 for 15, 150 yards, threw some great passes right on the money. I mean, that's hard. I mean, I grew up Pac-12 football from the Utes, and I went to USC also. So I've been watching that, and it's an offensive-oriented league. And the Utes have tried to win it with defense, and they've done a great job. And you've got to give them a lot of credit. They've had some good years in the Pac-12, but they've got to find that offense to meet their defense. The defense is always going to be there as long as Whittingham's a coach. Don't need to worry about that, but... I think Brewer could be the guy. I mean, he's got the arm strength. He's got the experience. Almost, what, nine, ten thousand yards at Baylor? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, I'm excited to see what you have. If we can find him some targets to throw at. That's the key. He's and got some tight ends that are awesome. Yeah, he does <laughs> have them. The, the wide receiver position's a little thin, and they got they got to find someone in the transfer portal. And, of course, tragically, the running back position is suddenly in flux as well uh, to see what will happen there with the passing of Ty Jordan. But when it comes to Charlie Brewer... It feels like and appears to be the case that he has what you need to start with. Mm-hmm. Now it's getting him, him acclimated as quickly and as seamlessly as possible with the guys that are going to be the guys around him. Yep. And if, he, if, that, if that, and that is like the X factor in this discussion for me, if they can get that nailed down in the practices coming up this fall ahead of the, ahead of the season and whatever individual workouts they do together over the summer – if they can get that nailed down, I think Charlie Brewer, given good health, can have a pretty good season right here with the Utah Utes. But you never know who is or isn't going to be around him. And then you look at a guy like Cam Rising, and you remember that he's been sitting in the booth next to Ludwig for a season and a half now. He's very familiar with the playbook, familiar with the, the uh, personnel, familiar with the language that you have to get in and out of each play. It's, it's really, when it comes to talent... I think Charlie Brewer beats Cam Rising, but that doesn't always play out in the game. You remember Jake Heaps was a great practice quarterback. When it came yeah. to game time, he was terrible. And you're also, but you're also talking about a guy who's had a lot of college football snaps. And there's I mean, the difference. Yeah, you're not talking about bringing in a guy who's just an athlete and a really good quarterback who's had three or four stars in college. You're talking about a guy who's got 9,000 passing yards in the college football game. I think he picks it up a lot faster than another guy like that. Bentley came in with some experience, and that didn't and work. Bentley didn't pick it up as well. Yeah. But I, I think the key to that, I mean, Whittingham says he's got a complete team. I think he's still pretty thin on that wide receiver core, and they, they've got to find at least one graduate transfer in that position. Yogi Roth says it best. Here in Salt Lake, uh, college football is never in the offseason. We talk about it every day here on The Zone. Everyone at the water cooler, I guess you're not doing water coolers in COVID, on the Zoom meetings, <laughs> everyone talks about college football constantly around here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're talking about a quarterback race on May 3rd for a fall, it's not crazy to us. Everyone else from outside of this place might hear us talking about that and going, it's May 3rd. What are you, what are yeah. you worrying about? But honestly, it's going to be a really fun, because then we didn't even talk about the race in Provo. Both the Utes and the Cougars are staring at a quarterback turnover that's going to define their seasons this year. 
And I love it. I'm so stoked and excited for college football. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see who comes out at running back for the Utes, too. I mean, they've got two great transfers from Oklahoma. you got Pledger from Oklahoma, and then it's Curry, I think, from LSU. And then you've got Bernard, who's still there, coming yeah. back, redshirt freshman. So, Makai Bernard, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you've got three guys that could fight out for that position as well. And it, the Utes have always shown that somebody jumps out of that pack and then does really well because our offensive line dominates. Yeah, yep. And if we can keep a solid offensive line like we have the past few years, which we've always been great in the trenches. Look at you dropping the we. <laughs> ah, sorry. Hey, I don't work here. I can drop the we. That's right. You just spend money here. <laughs> I don't work here. I can say we whenever I want. You say my we, and just wait till we start talking about BYU, Austin. <laughs> All right. Uh, Speaking of. That's when you get the vase. (laughs) Speaking of BYU, later in the show, I'm going to run a story by you about one of their draftees over the weekend that I think is getting ridiculously blown out of proportion. We'll get to that later in the show. But coming up next, a market update and thoughts on LeBron James doing LeBron James things. We'll get back to it right here on The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time now for a trydaytrading.com market update. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit trydaytrading.com. We had two goods and one bad at the markets today. Now, Jeff, you might have to help me out on this. The Dow Jones was up 238.38. All I know is it's green, it's up, that's good. That is good. Up is good. The S&P 500 which I don't know what S&P stands for, do you? Standard and Poor's. Of course, yeah. Everyone knows that. Was up 11.49. And then the uh, NASCAR was down (laughs) 67.56. So they're they're just groupings of different stocks together. So it's just a matter of which stocks had bad days and which ones had good days, right? So it's good to see everything going up, though. Up on the Dow Jones. Continuing to go up. So the market's strong. And there's some bad things out there, but we won't talk about those. Check out uh, trydaytrading.com to supplement or replace your monthly income. All right, Jeff, uh, LeBron James <laughs> came back from the high ankle sprain after missing 20 games. The Lakers went 8-12 and 12 in those 20 games. In the two games back, the Lakers are 0-2. Or is it one game? I, I think it was two. Two games back. Yeah, two games, yeah. They lost both games with LeBron. That's right, LeBron missed a potential game winner and then last night left early with a re-aggravation of that ankle, and he was asked in the post-game about the potential of the play-in situation. It doesn't matter at the end of the day if I'm not, uh, you know, 100% close to 100%. It don't matter, you know, where we land, you know. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset. You know, if this happens to uh, we end up at six or fifth or, or, or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is, wh- whoever came up with that sh- uh, need to be fired. 
Um, but whatever. LeBron, the same guy that last March said he was all in favor of such play-in tournament type things. Now, he, he might say, well, that was different. That was the bubble or whatever. But he wasn't sitting here complaining about the play-in three weeks ago when they were in third. Now he's crying about possibly having to be in the play-in tournament. So first of all, Jeff, are you a fan of the play-in tournament? Where 10, 9, 8, and 7 in the West and the East fight it out for in a one-game series for the, those final two spots? I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, it's about money. It's about, I mean, those games are going to blow the charts on ratings. And I get it. And the NBA had a tough year and a tough two years. I get it. They needed to do it. But it's tough to ask a team to play 72 games and then have two games be on the line to get in the playoffs. Like you're trying to, I mean, people talk about the regular season, not meaning much as it is like you're making it worse and you're doing it for a pretty obvious reason is the NBA. But obviously with the comments LeBron made, it's all about what affects you, right? I mean, yeah, Steph, exactly, Steph yeah. Curry seems pretty excited about the play game. He's all for it. <laughs> he's all excited about the opportunity to be in the play game. LeBron, all of a sudden he's on that edge. And right now it's a three-way tie, right? It's 36 and 28 Dallas, Los Angeles and Portland all fighting for that five, six, seven spot. Eight's pretty much locked. Then you got that eight, nine, ten. You got two little groupings of three that's going to play out over the next eight games. And maybe New Orleans can sneak in there with the possible, run. especially possible. if the Jazz can beat San Antonio twice in a row the next two games. Yeah, and do the Jazz play New Orleans again? They don't. Okay, they play Portland to finish the year. They play Portland at home to finish. Uh, so I, as far as do I like the play-in tournament as a sports junkie? There's this is awesome. It's like baseball. Right? It's, it's when, they, when, they add, when they added the one game to get in. The wild card. Yeah, the wild card stuff. And like, it made it super no, exciting. There's a bunch of people that don't watch a second of baseball and then don't miss a second of the of the wild card yeah, game. Or playoffs in general in baseball. Right, exactly. I don't That's watch it. It's fun I, in the I consider myself a big Dodger fan, and I don't know the last time I watched a regular season Dodger game. Dustin May out with Tommy John. I know. Sucks for him. <laughs> Dodgers, oh, go away, Dodgers. This is a Saturday joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, as a, if I put myself in the shoes of the seventh and eighth seed, who, like you mentioned, play seventy-two games and get into the traditional playoff seeding, and then miss because of one game, it cheapens the regular season for the seventh and eighth seeds, right? Oh, oh totally. And so I understand why people would have a problem with it. But what this is with LeBron is simply his team is terrible without him. Anthony Davis has been awful since returning as well, by the way. Look at oh, his numbers. Well, look, the injury. Look at the injuries. They're an Achilles Achilles strain, right, was Anthony yes. Davis. And then you take a high ankle sprain on LeBron. Who's played Those are a minute two shy of 50,000 minutes. lingering injuries that could affect the Lakers' heavy come playoff time. And then Dennis Schroeder. Is you want injured. to hear the dream scenario for the NBA as far as those play-in games go? Is Lakers fall to the seven, right? lose in the first play-in game, and get Golden State <laughs> in the second play-in game for the spot. So, so <laughs> that would be a ratings bonanza. To have the Warriors To have Lakers. a Warriors-Lakers play-in game for the eighth seed. Oh, that would be incredible. That would be, that would be, they would love that. Oh, my gosh. Well, Except they need, they need the NBA the, really the, wants the Lakers. really wants both, the, both Golden State and the Lakers in the playoffs. Yeah. It's crazy, though, the NBA champion on by math on, on paper could be the first to ever win 18 playoff games to be the NBA champion. That's true. Because you got to win two to get in. Win, if you could fall, but that would mean that to win two to get in, that would mean that you were the nine seed at least. 
eighth seed. No, because yeah. eight seed would only win one to get in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because eight true. seed would win the yeah. first one and get that's the seventh true. seed. Yeah. Right? So nine or ten. How about going through this whole season? That was a question we asked Gordon, right? Going through this whole season with the Jazz, they fight their butts off to get the one or two seed. And what if they get the Lakers in the first round? Uh, well, but if, maybe if, it's an injured Lakers, right? If LeBron's not playing, and with Schroeder, you be, gotta like that. I mean, at this point, Schroeder's going to be zero games going into the playoffs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. I so mean, you gotta like they're a wounded animal, the Lakers. Now the they Jazz still are. Have, they still have the Jazz one are of or the greatest player in NBA history. And the Jazz are currently a wounded animal as well. But I think the Jazz are managing that on purpose. Yeah. To make sure the playoffs are not starting without a guy. Like, if the Jazz were fighting for the sixth seed right now, do you think Mitchell's playing? Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. Uh, certainly, I think Conley Conley's would be playing. playing. Yeah. But In right fact, now, he, he himself said so. But why now? Why would you play him? Yeah. Let him heal up. Get him Get him perfect. Do what Gordon talked about. Gordy, right? Talked yeah. about it. Just let's get him three, four games. Get the, get the chemistry back and be ready for the playoffs. Yep. All right, so LeBron and the Lakers, uh, I'm going to call it right now, they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Mark it down. They're who you, gone. Who do you think they're going to get? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're going to lose. I like how Gordy put that, too. Like, if you're the Jazz, just play the games. Yeah. Whoever's in front of you at the time, you got to beat them. Well, Gordy made a really good point about the Jazz being the best team. Yes. From He said conceivably 1 through 10 in one the NBA. 10. That's that's something. And that's Gordy's... Gordy knows every team from the top to the bottom. Oh, my gosh, right? Yeah, you got to trust that. All right, coming up next, we'll get into more jazz and NBA chatter as uh, Chris Mannix will give us our NBA daily assist from Sports Illustrated at 430. We'll get Josh Edwards for the NFL draft from CBS Sports. And at 5 o'clock, we'll hear from Derek Favors. He's Jeff Miller. I'm Austin Horton. This is The Big Show.